Hello, I'm Emma Goldswell and welcome to Effin Hormones, the podcast about perimenopause and beyond. It's been a bit of a while, hasn't it, since me and my good friends Helen, Terry and Bina have been able to get together, so we thought it was high time for a little catch-up. Now, I don't know about you, but it has been a roller coaster of a few months. I've spent a good few weeks not being able to access any progesterone. And there's been a heck of a lot going on in the political and campaigning side of things, which we will let you hear all about. But first, let's have a big old catch up with the gang. How are we all, friends? The sun's out. The evenings are lighter. And... That's joyful. It's really like spring is here, finally. But I've just seen a weather forecast for next week and it says we're going to have snow in Manchester. Oh, come on. Why not? As a very wise man once said, Prince, sometimes it snows in April. And it's true. (laughs) It's true. It's very true. Because, and I know this because my birthday is in April, which is approaching, which we're going to talk about because it's my birthday and it's my party and I'll cry if I want to. I have, on my birthday, 22nd of April, if anyone's interested, sunbathed and... Gone sledging. Really? Snowdrifts in Yorkshire. 1981, snowdrifts in Yorkshire. True fact. Amazing, I love it. Are you more often sunbathing than sledging? Yes, more often a bit of sun by my birthday, sort of end of April. Um, But yeah, do you get snow sometimes? Aren't we British chatting about the weather? (laughs) (laughs) Did someone just mention it's their birthday? Yes, I did. I like to advertise the fact so I can maximise the amount of presents and cards I get. Uh, that reminds me. That's good. That's one less, Emma. <laughs> is it? 50. No. Yeah, 52. 52? Yeah, it's not bad, is it, really? You're four years nearer to getting the uh, free bowel screening kit. Yeah, happy daddy. <laughs> and only eight years till I get a bus pass. I mean, it's all good, isn't it, really? It's my own to in life. Oh, well, what you are it? technically. What does I think the bowel screening kit entail? I think, I think it's called a fit kit. It's a poo kit. Basically, you test your oh, okay, right. bowel screening. You get it free after 56. And then you put your poo in the post. I've heard about yeah. that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> We're back in the envelope. Poor posties. <laughs> no wonder they're... Are they on strike? Yeah. Oh, I would. <laughs> Worked on a radio station one time where a poo arrived in the post for oh, one of the presenters. I know who that presenter was. <laughs> but it hadn't been wrapped properly. So the, they'd wrapped it properly so it didn't all come out because it was coming out of the oh, thing. Oh, no. Honestly. Surely, surely, like, but surely, why didn't they just stop it? Exactly. Chuck it away as hazardous well, wax. Well, no, well, I've had, no, I've had it odd mail. They x-ray it. So I had mail in the pine swamps and it was x-rayed because they thought it was suspicious. And they said, it doesn't look too dodgy but the post person who arrived at my desk and gave it me stayed with me while I opened it but someone had sent me a live insect oh my god I used to work in uh, nature programs so basically oh. it was it was a live insect that they'd found on a blood pressure monitor in a in a GP practice and I opened it thinking it was dead and the next minute it started flying so everything in the office <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> but it had been tested like real male had, had right. thought it was how have we weird. got from Emma's birthday to this you mentioned the poo in the post. Oh, yeah, you, well, you the mentioned the poo in the post. It's your fault, says it. Terry, it's all your fault. Right. Went straight to the toilet with your humour again. Of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, what's the, what's, the, uh, what's the plans for your 52nd birthday? I'm having a very civilised middle-aged cheese and wine soiree. Thank mm-hmm. you. 
Uh, but Helen thinks exactly. I'm being very middle-aged because I'm actually having a party that Helen thinks it's in the day. But it is 5 or 6 p.m. it's starting. Is that it? 5 or 6, five or six p.m.? You've not decided yet? I haven't really, no. I'm, I'm still deciding. Why you go for 5 to 30? <laughs> That's a brilliant idea. Because I've done something <laughs> at 5 and sagging in the middle. And I'm getting confused. And, but but you, you said that curfew right. was at 9, didn't you? Probably will be in bed by half 9. And so you've given an end time. That's not like, is it because you'll be tired? It's not because the baby needs to be in bed or anything. The baby stays up later than me sometimes. Listen, daytime partying is where it's at in midlife, right? Annie Mac does stuff that, that finishes at midnight, doesn't she? I'm going clubbing in um, Warwick in a few weeks. Terry's going clubbing. Do you know why I'm going? Because it starts at 6pm. Uh, Cafe Mambo. Get Warwick. you! Live, yeah. Outdoor. Yeah. Like I went to um, Homo Electric in Manchester last year. It started at four in the afternoon. I was home by midnight. I was very happy. Woke up the next day. I was had a great night. I thought I was like, this is the way it should be. And Helen, when we say, is it Sasha, the DJ Sasha who? Yeah. So my mate went, went to see Sasha at Manchester Cathedral in the afternoon. Had an absolute whale of a time and loved it. And I was like, this is the way forward, Emmett. You're mm. very trendy. You're very, yeah. very on trend. 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 Bang on trend. I'm excited for it because you know I'm. 52, not 25, because when I was 25, I'd have been downing a bottle of wine at home, stumbling to the bus at 10pm to then go into town to get to a nightclub for after 11. Do you know what? Describe it all now. I'm like, ugh. <laughs> and also sticky dance floors where yeah. people had spilt so many shots and pints of lager that your feet would just stick to the floor. Oh, yeah. I yeah. as well. When the smoking ban came in and then the first few times you went to a pub or anywhere... And the smell of everywhere was just awful because for years, <laughs> the smell of sick and rancid drinks that have just got, you know, in, in, mass in, mass by, just mass by all the cigarettes. And yeah. so when the smoking ban came in, I just remember like going into places going, oh my God, it smells so bad. I remember um, being there. I'd forgotten about that completely. But I do remember thinking, that, like the day after the smoking ban came in, waking up the next morning, going, "Oh, thank God, my hair and my clothes don't stink of cigarettes." And it was just so nice to wake up relatively clean. I mean, I was in the gutter, but you know, I didn't <laughs> smell my hair with a kebab on your face. Yes, that's happened. To tell you that. At least I don't stink of fags anymore. <laughs> so right, we're coming to your house. Yes, good. Right, there's going to be no cigarette smoke, no kebabs. How are you feeling about being fifty-two? Is it all right? Well, yeah, I think anything past 50, you just crack on, don't you, really? It's uh, the older you get, the more you go, oh, another birthday. It's it's not as significant, I guess, is it, really? You are a sort of living testament to the idea that life begins at 50, though, aren't you? Yeah. Thank you. Yes, I am, actually. I mean, no one's ever said life begins at 50, but it has for both, well, so I that's did. fine. Although, let's not forget something traumatic that happened to me last week on the tram, and I was accused of being Neve's grandmother for the first time. Oh, no. What? Yeah. Yeah, this complete stranger on the tram. We were chatting away, having a lovely chat, you know, about knitted jumpers and all that sort of stuff and how old the baby was and blah, blah, blah. And then I was about to get off the tram. Are you her grandma then? <laughs> what? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Why the question? Yeah. I don't know. I don't get it. What did you say? I said... Uh, no, I'm one of her mums, actually, and still off the tram with me. <laughs> yeah, but parents could be in their 20s, so, you know, you might, you know, it's, you, you, you might have 
had that 10 years ago as well. I'm probably digging a well, hole but if it's any consolation, Emma, I, I was on the beach. Like, we were on a family holiday. I was on the beach. My brother and my mum had gone off back to the hotel or something. It was just me and my dad hanging out on the beach. And I was 14 years old. And I looked older at 14 probably than I do now because of my awful 80s haircut. And uh, some woman, like, referred to me as... as my dad's wife. <laughs> and I tell you what, I, I, I'm 14 as well, right? Oh. If I could have dug a massive hole in the sand and just buried myself in it for like the rest of the day, I, it's oh. horrible though, isn't it? It was horrible. It's not nice, is it? It is horrible. But the, I mean, the truth is, I've met plenty of grandparents who are 40. So of course I could be a grandparent, but um, yeah. yeah, you just never ask and sort of assume those sort of things, should you really? There's quite yeah. a few things around that whole thing that you shouldn't ask. Like, it's like, and when are you having a baby? Oh my God. Just don't. don't I've, I've done don't that. I've done that. I've done that. I sat down in a hair appointment and said to the hairdresser, when's the baby due? And she said, this dress makes me look really fat. Well, it was just the belly though. Everywhere else she was completely in proportion, but her belly was massive. She looked like she was about to have a baby. Oh, and no. that's a bad time to say it because you can't just apologise and walk yeah. away. I know, it was right at the beginning. And they're about to cut your hair. Yeah, I know. No, but I've not I, done it since then. I've never said anything to anyone who might look remotely pregnant, even if they look like they're about to drop a baby. Yeah. You only do it once, that kind of thing. Yeah. Don't I think there's certain questions as well. Like, I was asked by a stranger probably about six or eight months ago. Again, just a random chat. and I can't remember where we were, but um, do you have any kids? I was like, no. And like, why? Why? Yeah. And I'm like, why? And Did you say that's oh, a very God. personal question. I think sometimes, you know, when you're sort of taken off guard, you don't... Actually, I just laughed and just shrugged because I wasn't quick enough because I was so astounded that a total stranger would ask me, why don't you have kids? And I'm like, um... You know, I'm like, yeah. Oh, so just, uh, uh, yet another opportunity for you to out yourself should you want to. Not that that's necessarily a reason, but... No, it's true. not. No, no, that's... Yeah, but, but still, I was just a bit like, where do I begin? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, sit down and I'll tell you a story. Should we get a cup Take of tea? Of <laughs> but no. if you want the whole thing, then... Honestly. <laughs> Honestly. People, I People. 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 I think, I think that's the other thing as well, though. It's it's not like people are trying going out of the way to try and upset you. People are just trying to be well-meaning in conversation. I Never. I very rarely, in my experience at least, are those questions coming from a place of malice or those kinds no. of things. I know, I know. It's just clumsiness, you know. Anyway, a couple of you have mentioned as well race around the world. Why, why are you two going on about race around the world? Oh well, hey, hey, no spoilers. I haven't watched any of it yet. But we're half, I think we're halfway through it, or are there just a right, couple more episodes? I have never watched Race Around the World. What is it? It's a great show. It's pairs of people, so it's either couples or it's just friends, or in some cases, it's um, on this episode on this series. There's two father daughter combos, and they have to get in this series. They have to get from the West Coast, so the East Coast, so the West Coast, no, the West Coast. East Coast of Canada. <laughs> so they have to go across Canada, but not a direct route. They keep getting different checkpoints and they have a certain budget. So they can't just fly it. They can't just get coaches all the way. They have to hitchhike. They have to earn money as they're going. And they just have to get to the West Coast as quickly as possible. So on this one, there are two women who are friends. Kathy and Trisha are women of a certain age, and they are menopausal. They're not women of certain. Mm. They're the same age as me. Why would they? This is the thing. This is the thing. Oh, that look, women of a certain age. I freaking hate that. They are. Well, listen. At the last women in their forties. They're women in their forties. They are of a certain age for the menopause, is what I meant. But what happened in the last episode I watched? 
they, they were hitchhiking at this gas station and this man was on the phone to his mate saying, there's two old women here who are looking for a lift. And actually called them old. <laughs> 47 and 48 or 48 and 49, they are <sighs> women. So they're menopausal and are they okay? I mean, they're not suffering from symptoms too much or how's it going? This is not going to spoil the enjoyment of the programme for you. This is not a spoiler. But one of them is definitely having hot flushes and I ended up shouting at the television the other day because one of them said, oh, I'm just really stressing out at the moment because I'm having a hot flush, but you just have to grin and bear it, don't you? And I was like, no. Mm, that was your mantra, wasn't it? Get medicated. Yeah. Sort it out. Mm. Oh, that, uh, you're right, Terry. To be fair, if you go back and listen to the first episode of Evan Hormones called Meet the Gang, that's exactly the phrase that you used, Emma, grinned and bared it. Yeah. yeah. Well, having been someone that grinned and bared it for so many years and was an idiot, I now get frustrated when other people do it, but uh, that's the beauty of hindsight, I guess, isn't it, really? But, yeah, so she's doing this race across Canada at the moment and really suffering with the hot sweats and menopausal symptoms and just grinning and bearing it. So, so we need to support them. We did hear from someone in Ontario, like, uh, later on we're going to do some shout-outs if you've been getting in touch with us recently. Thank you. You're going to get some shout-outs later. There is someone from Ontario, which is Canada, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. Hey, gang, just to let you know, this episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. So what is BetterHelp? It's online therapy, Ems. BetterHelp matches you to one of 32,000 licensed therapists based on your location and your preferences. And then you can access therapy from your laptop or your phone. Now, you've had therapy, haven't you, Ems? And you're quite happy to talk about it, too. Yeah, and it's really important to talk about it because it has helped me and it has helped so many people. And we talk about mental health all the time on our podcast, don't we? Because my mental health wasn't awful, but it went crashing downhill after I hit what I thought was the midlife crisis and then got even worse when I was actually perimenopausal. And I so benefited from seeing a therapist. It massively, massively helped. If you could sum it up in one sentence, what therapy's done for you. Can you sum it up in one sentence, like how beneficial it's been? It's helped me appreciate the goodness in myself and the goodness in the world, I think. Mm. It's helped me not to dwell on the negative. Love that. To find out more about it and to get 10% off your first month, head to betterhelp.com slash hormones. That's betterhelp.com slash hormones. Okay, girls, that is enough of a catch-up. Oh, that was a lot, wasn't it? Right, as I said earlier, there has been a lot happening in the menopause world in the UK recently, and our Helen has been good enough to put together a little roundup. I have, I have. I wanted to bring you a little recap of some things that have been going on, particularly in March, so we're not getting a bit behind, but you know what? There were a lot of video clips of some quite amazing women having a good old rant flying around the place on social media. And I've been dead busy recently, so I paid attention to a couple of them. But actually, I just wanted to give you a sense of, like, everything that's been going on, because quite frankly, there are some amazing people who are out there who are campaigning and really taking the government to task as much as they possibly can to try and help us out. So cast your minds back. If you listen to the Carolyn Harris episodes, Carolyn Harris MP, that came out in February, she is really at the vanguard of, like, a lot of this menopause campaigning, isn't she? And when we spoke to her, she was disappointed at the time because a load of recommendations had been made that had been rejected by the government. A lot of them had been rejected by the government, not every single one, but a lot of them. Check out that episode and you'll hear more about that for the full details on that. But more recently, the Women and Equality Select Committee has been hearing evidence from menopause campaigners, including 
the fabulous Carol Vorderman, who you're going to hear from in a bit, who I've decided we're going to give an F into in this episode, so let's mention that later. But I wanted to bring you some highlights from all of that because a heck of a lot has happened. So basically, a select committee is a group of cross-party MPs or members of the House of Lords, and they get together to look at specific issues. Carolyn Harris is part of that committee, and Kemi Badenoch is Minister for Women and Equalities. And they clashed, as the newspapers would say, over the fact that Kemi Badenoch had dismissed the idea that menopause should be given a special legally protected status under the Equality Act. Now, you might hear this being referred to as a protected characteristic, and that means you can't be discriminated against under the Equality Act. So they had a bit of a tetchy exchange. Now, let's have a little listen to this and see what you think of this. So this is Carolyn Harris and Kemi Badenoch. You are speaking from a left-wing perspective on creating something. I am speaking from a right, uh, centre-right perspective. I, I, I do not think... I'm so... Well, I do... Well, I, well, I, think, I think that the, it influences the approach that you take. I do not think creating another pilot on more leave is what is going to help women who have the menopause. If, if I could just let the secretary state know that I didn't personally write the report from the committee, mm. um, and it's a politically mixed committee so why well, I think I know I'm absolutely nothing to do with that but I don't I don't think I don't think that the approach that you're taking is one that a centre-right government would take as that me committee's left wing the, the, the committee is not responsible for policy Carolyn I am and I have said that I don't think this is the right way the committee is the committee is responsible for scrutiny I'm very very welcoming to suggestions many of which we've taken up this is not one of them and we didn't take many up, did you, from the menopause report? Do you know what you did take up? There are many actions which the committee will recommend, which we will take. There are many that we won't take. It is my job to create the policy, and it is your job to do this. And so I thank you. I think your commitment to women has been displayed quite adequately this afternoon. No, I think no. what you're talking about is a disagreement. Um, no, pardon me, I, I, I will respond to that. We could, we're free to have disagreements on how to deal with the menopause, but that in and of itself is not, that in and of itself is not uh, a display on my commitment to women. I think women know exactly how committed I am to women's rights. We have a policy difference, and I'm sorry that we do. What they were specifically referring to in that clip was trying to get menopause leave, and that was one of the things that Carolyn's been campaigning for, so that if you're feeling ill under the menopause, you know, it doesn't necessarily count as your, your sick leave because it's protected. What do you think of that, girls? I think, number one, I think she it, it came across as patronising and rude. Yeah. Number two, going into party politics when it's clear that the select committee's cross-party is ridiculous. So it comes down to, like, ideological out. nonsense. Mm. Number three, if you are talking from a perspective of a centre-right, I'm doing inverted commas here. Then, you know, if it, the Conservatives like to think of themselves as fiscally sound and, you know, this is how they, they talk about themselves. There are swathes of women who have to leave the workforce because they are basically fucked because of the menopause. One in ten. One in ten. Plus all the other people who call in sick have to have changes made. Now, we've met people on this podcast who have told us they were at the top of their game and then they were struck. Yeah. It doesn't seem very fiscally sound to me to not take this seriously because if you've got a happy, healthy workforce, you have an economically productive country. So actually, it just to me, it just seems almost like the antithesis of what 
Yeah, the Tory government would say, and and then and then because there's such a lack of kind of rigor in in Kemi's response to then go on about party politics and its lefty woke nonsense or whatever. I mean, for God's sake, it's 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 a universal issue. You have a healthy nation. You have a productive nation. She just it's completely undermined her argument, hasn't she, by going to that? Just but totally. But there is no argument. I mean. I think there is, you know, ins and outs of whether something should become policy or not. You can't just knock it out. But there are recommendations and the and and reports are written for a reason. Mm. And it's not like people just whip out a report overnight from their arses. There's a lot of statistics <laughs> and facts and stuff that go into this stuff. So then just to res- disregard it and tow some kind like pull out some kind of party political line to justify not taking something seriously when actually it's detrimental to the health and mental well-being and the economy. If we're going to be really, you know, Tory about it, the economy just strikes me as counterproductive. She's she's made it political, but it's not a left-wing issue, the number of women that take their own lives to join menopause. It's not a left-wing issue going through menopause. It's not a left-wing issue wanting to have access to HRT and wanting to have access to GPs who know what women go through in their 40s and 50s that can have a huge impact on them physically, mentally and on society. That's not a left-wing issue. That's a women's health and a women's equality issue. Mm. And it shouldn't be party political. It's across the whole whole board, women's equality. 52% of the population are women and go through menopause and she's acting like this is something that people are politicizing but that was the gaslighting wasn't it it was the gaslighting of older women as well it was the yeah oh, you're politicizing this issue and they're yes. going you're not listening to what the issue actually is because yes. you wouldn't politicize it if you understood the issue yeah gaslighting is exactly the word that was in my mind as well terry and it, it's interesting this this particular clip i mean it went everywhere people were sending me this clip left right and center and i was like wow Anyway, so that was early on in March. So that was Carolyn and Kemi Badenoch. And then later in March, the committee met again. And this time it was to hear some evidence from some kick-ass women from the campaign group Menopause Mandate. And uh, a couple of people who have appeared on Effing Hormones were there for that second session later in March. Karen Arthur from Menopause Whilst Black podcast and Kate Muir, who's a menopause campaigner, author, and the producer of Davina's Channel 4 documentaries on menopause. You can go back into our archive and check out both of those two because they're excellent. Mm. Mariella Fostrup, who's like the first person who I can remember talking about menopause in the media. I know people had before them, but in my memory, Mariella Fostrup really sort of led the charge, I thought. She's the chair of Menopause Mandate. She was there as well, as well as the legendary Carol Vorderman. They all spoke at this. So let's have a listen to some highlights from this and let's kick off with Mariella Fostrup. The, the sense that we're sort of just treading water, which is only heightened by the fact that the, the minister can't be bothered to turn up. You know, they'll appoint any number of czars and ambassadors and you name it. But actually, really, we're not a minority interest. We're 52% of the population. We don't need, actually, a women's health ambassador or an HRT czar or a menopause ambassador if we just had equal treatment. And so, yes, the HRT shortages are absolutely shocking and the fact that they are ongoing and they haven't been addressed, the fact that there was an HRT czar appointed who lasted three months and then basically uh, it was announced that she'd done her job and she was going back to deal with um, with the pandemic or with, with COVID. 
um, uh, you know, it was a complete travesty. I mean, nothing had been done. Nothing has changed. Uh, and and because there isn't a national formulary, it's causing incredible issues. And you know, last night, just anecdotally, I had supper with one of my best friends, and she burst into tears. And I think you know, actually, it was suicidal ideation. And I found out today because I couldn't work out what was the matter. She was talking about I just feel old and it's pointless, and what's the point of being alive? And and this is not a woman you know normally given to those sorts of thoughts. And I sent her a message this morning and I said, have you changed your HRT? And she said, yeah, the doctor changed it three weeks ago. And and so the way that she's feeling and the depression that she's under is entirely the result of her being given a wrong, a wrong prescription. And you know, the fact that this is still going on in the 21st century. So Mariana did mention a minister there who wasn't actually at that committee meeting. And she's talking about Maria Caulfield MP who is a Minister for Women's Health. There was a bit of a hoo-ha about the fact that she wasn't there. Carol Borden had had quite some things to say about that. But to be honest with you, it's all a bit involved. So, um, yeah, we'll just say that that's what happened. Anyway, what did you think about what Mariella had to say there? I'd actually forgotten that there was a czar that only lasted three months. It's just been a isn't it, really? It's just really sad. When you hear her actually going through everything that's happened, and she just did a really quick recap, because we've followed this over different episodes, and it is it is quite astonishing. Like, when you lay it out on a timeline like that, you know, it's a bloody mess. The reason we had a czar was because last year, I don't know if you, I remember this because I had real problems and it caused me nightmares. Um, we couldn't get access to oestrogen in certain forms. So oestrogel was unavailable people were being prescribed other things that then became unavailable so we went from that to sandrina gels and so if you were used to a certain way of receiving hrt and you finally got a balance you finally get some overall the stress and anxiety of trying to find something that's right for you and then all of a sudden it's not available um it's the minimizing that that might actually have an impact on you so i think what she's saying as well is and it sounds awful and i can totally um empathize with her and i hope her friend's okay um, I've spoken to other people, and I'm not going to break their anonymity, but I've spoken to other people who have been in that stressful position recently because they've not been able to access either the right oestrogen or eutrogestin. And eutrogestin, you need, if you're on oestrogen and you have a womb, you have to take eutrogestin or you have to take some kind of progesterone, but there's been a shortage of eutrogestin. So last year was all about the oestrogen shortage, which they said they'd fixed, but they haven't because I asked on RF in hormones, uh, Facebook page today and there are still people saying still can't get my prescription filled in Scotland someone here in Yorkshire still can't get her prescription filled for estradot or estradot so there are still problems and neutrogestin people are still having problems with that as well so they're available elsewhere but people are still having problems absolutely in the UK so I mean the, the fact is is they they had a minister they had a czar then they decided they didn't need a czar I think I think Mariella's point ultimately is is this isn't being taken seriously. Mm-hmm. Well, so, yeah. but, you know, if if we were I think, I think taking it seriously, time. treat us equally, listen to us. We don't, yeah. we're don't. we not stupid. Don't treat us like stupid women. At the time when they decided that we didn't need this, uh, the, the, from what I, I was reading in the press at the time, the insinuation was that they were like, oh, it's all sorted now. Clearly it's not all sorted. It's, and it's interesting that you mentioned this, Terry, about the shortages and that's still going on. And thanks for contributing to the Effing Hormones Facebook group guys so let's know what what you're experiencing but that leads us nicely on to what Kate Muir had to say before going to this committee 
she had done her own little social media poll asking people if they were struggling to access progesterone or utrogestin. Should we have a little listen to what Kate Muir's experience was? Mm. Yeah. There were about seven or eight places where people were getting, you know, utrogestin. And it's really important. And I don't think perhaps the minister understands why you can't say change to another kind of HRT because eutrogestin is the progesterone part that goes along with estrogen. You need the two together to protect your womb. If you do not have that to protect your womb and you're taking estrogen gel on its own, then you are at risk of endometrial cancer. Let's just make that clear. The women who've been left for a month with just the gel, just the estrogen and not been given the progesterone to look after their womb are at risk that I could get eutrogestin uh, for five euros in Spain, in Paris and in Germany. So I don't think there's a European-wide shortage. I just think we're not paying for it enough here. We're not getting it in here. And we knew about this two years ago. So I think it's really a criminal neglect of women and women's health not to sort out that and actually the estradiol shortage, which is the other major shortage. It's just gaslighting again, isn't it? It's like, well, there's a shortage in Europe and no, there isn't an HRT problem and just gaslighting. It makes me very angry hearing that, actually, because I am one of those women. I went for at least a month mm. not taking my eutrogestin because I could not get it prescribed. And I just sort of went along with it and went, oh, yeah, typical, what a shame. I'll just keep taking the estrogen and I'm sure it'll be fine. And not really thinking about the health risks. But, you know, just listening to Kate Muir there, who knows what she's talking about. You know, we've had her on the podcast. She's a very intelligent woman. She knows more about the menopause than most people we've ever met. Telling us that that has put me at cancer risk is mind-bogglingly scary, really. And that's through the incompetence of, you know, the medical establishment, the government, not getting oestrogen and estrogen and eutrogestion into the country. It's absolutely appalling. The other thing is, is, I think when Kate was on or somebody we had on was talking about how there's been a rise in demand, it's not a sudden spike. It's not going to go down again. It's a gradual rise as women are more educated about why we need hormones. And actually, as of October last year, you can now get eutrogestin, the progesterone, the micronized progesterone. You can get that in Scotland. So women have been campaigning in Scotland to be able to access that because it wasn't prescribed there, whereas it was prescribed in, by NHS England. So there is only going to be an increased demand as more and more women, you know, realise that they want to replenish their hormones and the health benefits for now and for future health mm. of of hormones. So yeah, it's I mean, only going to increase. When I think they sacked off the czar for this last time, I think one of the things I heard or read was when they went, well, it's basically Davina's fault that there's a oh, shortage yeah. of HRT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you get you get people say. going to their GPs now and their GPs are dismissing them saying, oh, it's, it's, you know, I've seen anecdotal stuff where people have said they've been dismissed because of the, read something or seen something on TV, but actually the people are becoming more aware of why they need well, Which quite, exactly. Take it. It's not people suffering. It's not Davina's fault. It's not on trend. It's just people are aware. People are finally aware of what's going on and that they don't have to suffer and there is help out there. And, you know, Carolyn, one of the things she talked to us about and Louise has talked about to us about is having a national formulary. And then, you know, ordering the supplies to meet the national formulary and then everyone gets the same treatment across the country. It's kind of a standardised, like, you know what you're doing. If you moved from one area to another, if you move from one GP to another, it's just, 
Yeah, mm. just so just to, uh, just to uh, maybe it happened just... the other episodes. That means that like um, not all GPs can prescribe the same HRT across the country. So actually, that's caused problems with the shortages because there might have been a glut of a particular type of HRT, but the GPs in a different area couldn't access it. So that's why they've been calling for a national formulary to make everything more easily accessible. My and also reason. give women the same access to micronized progesterone that they weren't getting. So like for, like I said, in Scotland, women weren't able to access mm. the, the, the best form of progesterone, which is, you know, the micronized version of it. But now they can. Mm. Am I being naive? Because it just feels like there are very straightforward, common sense solutions to a lot of these problems. But for whatever reason, the will isn't there, The it's incompetence. I, I can't understand why. When you stitch it all together, you can't help but think there's incompetence involved, can you? Do you know what I mean? Oh, the, 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 <laughs> common, the common denominator is we're women. Yeah. And I can't help but think women's health is like, do they give a damn? No, they don't. If they did, we wouldn't be fighting for equality. And, you know, some of the reports that have come out recently about particularly about black women's experience in, in the health system, mm-hmm. you know, we have so much inequality and and it's and it's just that there's no research into this area in half of our of these areas that we don't we don't know the half of what what what's going on with women's health because nobody gives a damn to actually research it i say nobody but lots of people have started to 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 look at you know research into things like testosterone and you know impact of women's health and fitness and things like that so but yeah, but I don't think I don't think policy. I think policy is way behind. I think the health service is way behind. I think the difficulty with this as well is that there are so many different frontiers of this because it's an all-encompassing thing that can impact every single aspect of your life, right? And so one of the things that Kemi Badenoch was dismissing was that they were dismissing menopause leave, and there's only so many things that you can try and push for change and do at any one point in time. And kind of Carolyn, if you listen to the Carolyn Harris episode, she really sums it up brilliantly because there's so much to do. And she says this herself, there are so many different areas that this impacts and she wants to work on all of it. But it's like, you've got to go one battle, one bit, one battle mm-hmm. at a time. So then it becomes, if you're only talking about one particular issue, right, like campaigning to have menopause leave in workplaces, it then becomes more easy to gaslight it, doesn't it? I think. Just say, well, why would you want menopause leave? And that discriminates against men. Why would you want this one particular aspect of it? And it's actually, no, what these campaigners are trying to do, they're trying to do all of it. But the perception I'm getting is that these certain ministers are going for this individual thing and attacking it so that they don't have to do the rest of it because it's too they're, hard. They've not mm. seen the bigger picture, the holistic yeah. view of women as a whole and that women yeah. go through menopause and that when they do, not everybody, but some women have the most horrendous experience of that. And there are ways that they could make reasonable adjustments in the workplace and elsewhere to address that. But they're like, well, we've already got them in place for women. But if they're, 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 they're in place to go back to work. Yeah, if they were in place and working, yeah. they wouldn't be campaigning to get, you know, protected characteristic for, you know, and to have menopause leave if, if the existing policies actually worked, which they're not, obviously. Should we cheer ourselves up with a bit of Carol Vorderman? Because she really is absolutely awesome. I really want you to hear these two clips, right? <laughs> because she's been kicking us left, right and centre. Should we have a listen to her? Yes. Go for it. I was horrified when I was watching Kemi Badenoch, uh, the Minister for uh, uh, Women and, and Equalities, a number of weeks ago when you were questioning her, Carolyn. And... Um, I just couldn't, I, I could not, as a woman, a postmenopausal woman, 
who is from a working-class background, get over the patronising statements that she made. I thought they were insulting. They were insulting to all women. She she basically said uh, to, to Carolyn, this was a left-wing issue when we were talking about menopause and a pilot in the workplace, and characteristically compared women going through terrible, terrible menopausal symptoms with those uh, who would want um, to uh, have uh, uh, certain things that are given by government to those with ginger hair, to short people. I mean, it was just, what am I listening to here? It's the 21st century. This was like going back 100 years to when women just had the vote. I could not believe it. Oh, I love that. I love her. Let me just tell yes, you the second one. Yes, she, she picked up the exact word that you said, Bina, patronising. You know, the more you think about what she said, the way she spoke to Carolyn, as though Carolyn mm-hmm. didn't know what she was talking about. Mm-hmm. I, thought, I thought Carolyn did so well. Yeah. Oh, she did brilliantly. Yeah. Just being well, calm in the face of that kind of nonsense. It was the way she said, we really do know how, we really do see how committed you are to women. I just, oh, awesome. <laughs> we really do see how committed you are. That, that fired her up, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. Let, let's have another to the, um, the second uh, fabulous rant that Carol did. So this is in response to a question from uh, Kate Osborne, who's the MP for Jarrow. She was also part of this committee and she asked Carol a specific question. Well worth listening to this. Yeah, I think Kate Osborne was the MP who kicked off the whole report in the first place with the okay. recommendations. Let's have a listen to this. Can I ask you, Carol, uh, the government, we've touched on the recommendations from the committee. and um, One of the committee's recommendations that was accepted in principle was around appointing uh, a menopause ambassador to work with businesses and unions and, and others to develop uh, and disseminate good practice. Um, And we now have uh, a brand new voluntary menopause employment champion. Uh, What would you say to her if she was here with us? Would I say to her? Um, What I would say, given given that the government response to your report was three and a half months late, and I think the menopause task force hasn't hasn't sat since June last year, I'd say, have you seen the minister recently? And uh, what is it that she has said to you? Um, and what power do you have? And how much can one person do part-time? Uh, it's not enough. It just isn't enough. We keep going back to the same thing. It's not enough. Not anyone. It's just like, oh, that's a nice little tweak. I'm sure she's a wonderful lady. This is not personal. This is about going. Everything that we have said here, it has to come from the top down. When I read the government's response, the eventual response, obviously, to your report, it was, oh, it was, it was a whitewash. It was, oh, and now we've done this. Oh, this is very nice. Jack and Ori tell a story. Oh, we've done this. Oh, that's lovely. Oh, it's an eye lovely. And it was like, no, it isn't. You've rejected, in part or in full, 11 of the 12 recommendations. You have said that, uh, oh, menopause, no, we don't want to... We don't want to make it a characteristic uh, in law. We don't want, you know, it's, uh, oh, well, no, there's sex discrimination laws. That'll do. It won't do. It doesn't do. So the ambassador, who I'm sure will do her job as best she is able, it isn't enough. Yes, Carol. Always. It's enough. She's great. (laughs) It's great. 
<laughs> right. I want to give Carol an F in this episode. I want have we put an F in an F in award. An F in award, just because we haven't done F in's for a little while. But um uh, should remind people what they are, Helen. Yeah, let's remind you what they are. So basically an F in is you nominate someone who has either has got you through it in some way. It could be a medical professional who's actually stepped up as a mark. It could be a mate who's listened to you having a screaming meltdown. Or it could be someone that you admire in the public eye. And there you go. I'm nominating Carol Vorderman for an F in this episode. Woo! 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 seconded. Come on, effing hormones, Carol. Come on, babe. I'll tell you what, I think between her and Carolyn, they're kind of like the embodiment of Welsh dragon, aren't they? (laughs) (laughs) Pretty are, like. They're not taking any shit, are they? They're just not. They're just not taking any shit. It's great. But really heartening as well that, like, you know, there are people who are out there putting themselves out there, getting abused, being insulted in public, on in a public forum like that that's being filmed, that's been, you know, and... Um, just, I did want to bring you all of that and bring it all together because that, the Kemi Badenoch clip, that was going wild on social media. The Carol Vorderman clip went wild on social media. So those are the two things I picked up on at the time. But I just think it's really important to kind of actually listen to some of the other things that were said as well and hear it in the round and go, actually, do you know what? There are people who are working really, really bloody hard to try and change things. And I'm really grateful to them for that. So thank you. I also think as well, you know, um, a lot of people are very busy. There's so much that's flying around social media. It's very noisy. Mm. There's a lot that's said. It's just constant. It just feels like the news is just constant and the bad news is constant i think distilling things down for our listeners in this way where people can kind of hear what things are going on because it's so easy to disengage from politics when it's just noisy and shouty and all this kind of stuff so i hope hope that helps our listeners yeah Yeah. thank you producer helen for sorting that out that was was useful for me as well just to put it all in perspective and, and sort of remember what happened back in march really and I just love the way that Carol Vorderman is getting more and more political and more and more angry in her old age. And it just it. shows menopause women in the right light, I think, that we won't take any shit and we're going to keep fighting and we're going to keep on with the menopause revolution. So come on, Carol. Come on, Carol. Go on, Carol. Go on. Yeah. Love her. We've got a few shout-outs to do, actually. We've had some lovely people get in contact with us. Uh, for example, we've had a review from someone calling themselves Foxy Mank, which I love. I are. I are. I are. I'm down the chibi. <laughs> and they say, at last I found a podcast I can relate to in my hometown of Manchester by fellow Mancunians. <laughs> Whoop. Uh, funny, informative and comforting to know that we are not imagining all these crazy symptoms that the doctors do not know about. Mm-hmm. I binge listen series one and two. While I was off work, suffering from fatigue. Well worth a listen if you don't know what your body is going through. Well, thank you, Foxy Mank. Thanking you, Foxy Mank. Thanks, Helen. (laughs) (laughs) It's not me, honestly. It's not me. No, no, I was dead chuffed when I saw that. No, Foxy Mank. It's lovely to hear from you. And I'm sorry you're off with fatigue. And all power to you. I hope you feel much better very soon. Ditto. Absolutely. And a big thank you to Karen as well, who's actually donated to our GoFundMe page. We massively appreciate that, Karen. Um, you. If you can bring us a few quid to help keep us going, you can still do that. Go to our website at effinghormones.com. Just scroll down a bit and then you'll get to a bit that says be an effing star. 
And then you click on the star and that takes you to the GoFundMe page. But a big thank you to Karen for donating. Woo! Woo! Cheers, Karen. Thanks, Karen. Another reference for you. Yes. <laughs> and it was also lovely to hear from Jamie in Florida, Karen in Ontario in Canada, and Katrina, who absolutely loves all the fucking swearing. Hey, a fucking welcome, Katrina. <laughs> no need. No fucking problem. <laughs> Oh, God, let's get together and have a proper good old swear any time. Um, and <laughs> I've really got to read this out. She signs off with, with love, vaginal dryness, and a whole new vocabulary. Is that Katrina? Yeah, Katrina. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, Yay, welcome to the gang, Katrina. Yes, welcome to the gang, all of you. Thank you so much for getting in contact and interacting with us. That's just brilliant. Um, and don't forget, you can join the Effin Hallman's podcast page on Facebook. It's a very easy and nice way to stay in touch with all of the gang and all the other listeners as well. Whoop, whoop. Oh, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening to our big old catch-up. Don't worry, me and the gang will be back soon, probably in about a month or so. Go and check out effinghormones.com. You can listen to all the past episodes there too. Right, that's it from us. Love you. Bye. Woo, woo. See ya. Bye. Bye. Woo, woo. See ya. Don't want to be ya. <laughs> what? That's <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>